Hi, this is uh, William Smith from CX Today, bringing you all the latest customer experience industry news. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vasco Pedro, the co-founder and CEO of the AI-powered translation platform uh, Unbabel, to find out a little bit about how businesses can kind of benefit from providing multilingual support. So, Vasco, welcome. Hi, William. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get started, I wonder if you could just uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your, yourself and the company you founded. Uh, certainly. Um, well, I mean, uh, you could say that uh, language kind of runs in the family. My, my mom was a professor of English linguistics, now retired, and I kind of grew with this uh, with this sense of how important language and understanding language was in the world. And then I did my undergrad in, in um, a major in artificial intelligence with a minor in computation linguistics. And then after that, went on to CMU, uh, Carnegie Mellon, to do my master's and PhD in natural language processing. And then since then, mm. been doing different startups, applying AI to different problems usually related to language. And then in 2013, uh, I had met my co-founder and, and CTO, Joan. He had finished his PhD at, at UPenn in machine translation. Uh, and we had met a few years before and we, you know, we realized that we had a very uh, strong shared passion around language. And so 2013 is when we decided to start in Babel. Um, and uh, with with this vision of, you know, it's based on this very simple thing, which is, you know, people speak different languages. And even though, you know, fortunately, we are able to speak the same language, most of the people in the world uh, don't actually speak one language, uh, and that's never going to happen, right? And so what happens is as companies scale across uh, and start selling to different markets, they just naturally find language barriers. And I, I think the the insight and the timing for us was that, uh, the world is shifting in a way that we fundamentally believe that in the future, companies are going to try to solve language barriers through an AI-centric approach. Uh, and so in, in doing this, uh, you know, like w- what we felt with at the time was that the state of technology wasn't at the point where AI by itself was sufficient. So AI was an enabler and augmenter, uh, augmenter of, of what was going on from a human perspective, but that humans were still very much needed in, in the process, both for high quality data generation, correction, you know, strong feedback loops. And so we started building in Babel uh, at the core a platform that enables really fast scalable translation. And then what we uh, thought was, well, where do we start, right? Because this is a, a problem that is uh, orthogonal to companies in the sense that, you know, it, 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 it's not just a, oh, how do I translate my website or how do I uh, get my product in multiple languages, it occurs mm. everywhere in the company. How do I serve my customers? How do I create customer experience that is consistent across all languages, across the entire you know amount of interaction of me from my with my customers from the beginning, how they find out about me all the way through sales to handling the product to supporting the customer. And so we started in customer service. We said, hey, you know, until now, one of the big challenges in, in scaling uh, customer support across languages is that you end up with a lot of different teams, a lot of turnover. It's very hard to manage. It's this global mm-hmm. operation, which means that only really large companies end up having really good customer support in a bunch of languages. And we were thinking, right. why is that? Right? I mean, like, this should be, it should be a, a, a no-brainer, right? I mean, like, it, there, there's almost like a customer service gap, you know? Like, if you were born in a country that it doesn't speak English, you, you know, you're screwed. You, you now have less access to great customer service in general. And so what we start thinking is, well, AI really can start having an impact there and can really enable agents to be super polyglots, right? And so that that's where we started. It's like, hey, let's deploy and babble into uh, CRMs like Zendesk and Salesforce so that if you're a customer mm-hmm. service agent, by using in Babel, you can handle 30 languages, right, or more. And so, which is which is why I use the term super polyglot, because, you know, polyglot, obviously, is someone that speaks multiple languages, but nobody really speaks 30 languages, right? So, which is a great example of how AI 
can really augment humans. And and that was uh, what we've been doing over the last four years. So I would say the first four years are really about the underlying infrastructure. The last four years are really about how do we deploy into uh, customer service. And with that, it really started emerging this category of language operations. How do we bring uh, the way to deal with language to the 21st century uh, and deploy AI-centric solutions that still very much uh, enable and, and, and use the best of humans, uh, but that right. are truly scalable. Uh, and so that's where uh, the whole concept of language operations emerges from. Well, awesome. And, and yeah, you mentioned language operations there. I wonder if you could just speak a little bit about what kind of possibilities that it enables for, for customers. Yeah, you know, one thing we've, we've seen is um, throughout the life of Inbabel is that uh, there's every department in a way, every part of the organization is trying to solve this same problem of how do I support multiple languages? And, and it's not really about supporting multiple languages, like how to support my customers? How do I support people that just happen to speak, be in different parts of the world in different markets and diff speak different languages, right? The, 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 the language is kind of a necessity because of the people, but that's really the goal is to support people, right? And what we've seen is th this happens in a very like hodgepodge set of solutions, right? You might have the marketing department that has vendors they work with to have websites updated and so on. And then you go to the product organization, they're like, oh, no, no, we hire our own internal people and we have our own specific set of processes. And then you go to customer service and like, oh, we hire natives and we use BPOs and they're all over the place, right? And then you go to sales and it's like, no, no, we hire people on location. So there's all of this, there's no one systematic centralized scalable approach. And this creates a lot of issues to a lot of organizations. And so the concept of language operations, I think it's akin to the change that we saw uh, you know, in system administra administrators pre-cloud environment where everything was on-premise and people had a certain set of skills. And with cloud computing coming uh, coming along, at some point, people started shifting and needed to relearn or, or add to their stack of capabilities new ways of looking at infrastructure. And in a way, what we're thinking is your language stack, the way you deal with languages and you deal with uh, language across new markets should be part of your infrastructure of scale as a company, right? It should be actually part of your infrastructure from the beginning, but how do we do it in a scalable way? And so the whole concept of language operations is to have one centralized scalable solution that applies to different areas of business. And that really puts the power and the agency and the transparency and visibility of the underlying things on the hands of the customers. And it can go from, hey, we want something that just works and it's simple and you know, I don't wanna worry about this to power users that actually want to be able to really customize the internal translation pipelines and optimize engines and do all sorts of uh, really cool stuff. Uh, and and mm -hmm. and so we're we're really putting all of this in one place uh, in a very you know easy to use interface that gives uh, a, a lot of people the power to do things that really couldn't do before in a very scalable way with AI at the core. Well, and your approach kind of combines human editors with machine learning. I mean, what what are the benefits of of taking that approach? Yeah. So, um, well, you know, like we, I think there is a. Uh, there, there's a bit of an obvious uh, um, context setting point, I would say. That is, if we if we had machine translation that was perfect, right? if there was this system, there was an Oracle system that just translated everything perfect, mm -hmm. you know, in a fraction of a second for almost free, we'd use that, right? I mean, like, you know, so that, that would be what we're using. And so there's yeah. a sense of, hey, it's just AI isn't there. And we don't know if it's ever going to be really, truly there because AI is a very... Uh, language is a very gnarly problem. There's a lot of complexity. Every time we think we solved it, we haven't. You know, like actually, 
machine translation was the original AI use case in the 1960s, coming from cryptography in the Second World War and emerging. And, and you know, the first thought was, you know what, we, like this is kind of like translating to a new language, like deciphering a code. And so right. let's get machines on this. And in five to 10 years, we'll have this solved, right? And this was 1960 and we're still kind of getting there, right? So, mm -hmm. so we, certainly AI isn't there. Uh, and so, but we do want to benefit from a lot of the advantages of it in terms of scalability, repeatability, predictability, speed. And then the question is, well, how do we actually train models? And then how do we actually make sure that the output as, is at the level of what we're used to, right? Native, professional, uh, very fluent. And so for that, you need the human component, right? And so we have uh, both the AI components. So uh, and AI in this case is not just machine translation. There's a lot of AI components throughout the pipeline, um, you know, like the, in a lot of different pieces. But then there's also a community of more than 100,000 100, uh, uh, bilinguals and professional translators that work in different aspects to improve the systems, to make sure that everything we delivered is, uh, you know, top-notch quality. Uh, and it's this feedback loop that everything that gets touched by a human gets sent back to the AI. And so this continuous improvement uh, that is driving a lot of efficiencies uh, and, and gains, both for us and our customers. And what would you say are kind of the key considerations for success for any businesses seeking to provide multilingual support? Um, so I, I think we're rapidly approaching a time where, like I said, uh, we that you know a lot of companies are going to start thinking about the language stack from the beginning, right? And and part of that is making this so easy, so integrated that you know it's almost like saying, hey, if you're going to start, if you're using let's say Zendesk and WordPress and Marketo and a few other you know tools that a lot of people use, you know we're going to be so integrated with this that it's going to be super seamless to then scale across languages. Uh, but I think. The, the, there's two key points that, I, that is very common. So one is, is when, a, when a company goes into a new market, right? That, that's kind of an inflection point where usually it's a trigger for them to think, oh, wow, like I need to uh, figure this out, right? Because, uh, and, and you see it in a lot of cases, like a lot of companies end up expanding only through English language countries, you know, like, oh, we'll do the US and then we'll do the UK and then we'll do Australia. And then, you know, from then on, it's really hard to expand. But the, that's actually a fairly small part of the global market, right? And we do live in a global market more and more, and we see it every day, you know, in, with the pandemic. It's like, it's, you know, the, the less location restrictions and geographic restrictions are apparent, the more other restrictions become some of the key areas, right? And what we see is, you know, right now, language is in the top five issues uh, of for businesses not to be able to expand. Uh, and so mm -hmm. that, that part, uh, I think, is something that if the, the sooner you start thinking about it, the easier it is. Uh, and, and a lot of times right now uh, is th there's a sense of it's an afterthought. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out later. And part of it is because it's, you know, until now it's been complicated, it's painful, and it's always this thing that, oh, I need to deal with this, right? And so part of the, uh, of the process is how do we create the tools to make it super simple, right? So that, so that you do it from the beginning. I think one of the other use cases that we see a lot of immediate impact is when you already are big and you already have large uh, uh, infrastructure to deal with languages is the, the amount of like immediate benefit that uh, a solution like Mbabel can bring to the table because uh, you're really like what we're seeing our customers, you know, typically, you know, 50% cost savings in terms of, you know, customer service, uh, but which, which is good. But actually the most interesting things for me is uh, the C set of their customers most of the times, like on average, goes up by about seven or eight percent in NPS score. Uh, 
right? And so, uh, and CSAT. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, you know, once, you, once you're no longer required to segment your team from a language perspective, you can do a lot of cool things. You can have center of excellences. Uh, you can have uh, teams that are focused on a particular product line. Uh, and you do a better utilization of, of your workforce and your customer service agents, which means that typically you end up having a much better time to first response. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Logitech was a good example during the pandemic and everyone was buying webcams, of course. They saw, you know, a, a really uh, great increase in in traction and with that customer service. And so there was like a 300% increase on requests and customer service, which are particularly hard to serve, especially because hiring people during the pandemic was complicated. A lot of times Logitech hires uh, uh, engineers to deal with more uh, complex problems. And so by using Babel, they're actually able to cut down the turnaround time from 48 hours to like 12, right? And uh, and coping with this growth at the same time, right? And that actually represents real benefits for the end customer, right? Because they get... Uh, answered faster, uh, and you do it at a fraction of the cost, right? So it's uh, it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned that kind of boom in e-commerce and international shopping. Uh, do you kind of anticipate providing multilingual support to become kind of increasingly important going forwards? Um, and if so, why? Um, yes, I, I think multilingual customer support there, there's a strong trend to, towards it, right? I, I think the 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 more companies can access a global market, and the earlier they do it, the more sensitive they are, right? Because what we're seeing is, uh, you know, about one in two customers buys uh, on a native language website, right? And so that's fifty percent of the consumers are buying on native on websites that cater to their native language. Uh, and providing customer support in native language leads to a much higher conversion rate. You know, it leads to uh, much more stickiness. People feel more comfortable. Uh, they're able to do, uh, you know, they're more willing to give credit card numbers. They're willing to trust, right? Language creates trust. And I think uh, going international was a consideration until recently of large companies. Like, oh, you first don't worry about that. But especially in a, such a digital transformation world, and I think COVID kind of accelerated this trend for maybe five, you know, by five or 10 years, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, and, and especially because the networks of e-commerce and the tools and infrastructure for e-commerce, for shipping, for building are becoming easier, then there's more companies being able to ship worldwide from the beginning, right? Whether it's drop shipping, whether it is, you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. And so... Mm-hmm. Once you do that, you want to be able to access the customers in those markets, right? And, and if language is the only issue, then you want to support that, right? And if there's a solution that makes it easier, then companies will do it, right? I think at the fundamental level, like I said, I think there is a, there's more and more of this sense of the customer service gap, you know, of, uh, of hey, it's, it's kind of fundamentally unfair for you to not have access to the same customer service, for example, just because you don't happen to speak a language. So there's this less patience with it. And, and another thing that I think we're seeing as a trend is that it used to be that you know 80% of all online content was English. So realistically, you kind of needed to know English to be online. But now English represents about 20% of content. And what you're seeing is really the rise of you know the Chinese internet and the Brazilian internet and the Russian internet, mm-hmm. where people consume content in their own language. And so even if you are able to ship product to a particular market, if you're not there from a presence and language perspective, then you're missing out on a lot of opportunity and growth. Well, and you mentioned earlier kind of the, the very long road that machine translation has been on. Uh, kind of looking to the future, do you see any uh, any new technologies or, or trends coming for, for language operations? 
Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, it's very interesting when you start thinking of things from an AI-centric perspective, right? Because uh, what we're seeing over and over is that AI is particularly good at automating repeated tasks in commoditized markets. That's like the low-hanging fruit for AI. And when I talk, when I think about language operations, there's obviously at the core the ability to do, uh, you know, very uh, strong customization of machine translation engines, and that's been going on already for a little while. But we're seeing a continuous in, uh, increase in sophistication of underlying models. For example, now we just launched our first model uh, that is very, uh, it's a, it, it takes in consideration glossaries within the translation, right? And so, um, and, 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 I, and this is a trend, like it's just not, it, we're, you know, we're a bit ahead of the curve, but I think this is going to happen all over, right? There's a lot of people working on context-aware machine translation. So there's something mm -hmm. there, but it's actually, that's only half the problem, right? For example, Internally, I think we're the only system uh, in production that uses quality estimation. And what that does is it's also a neural network-based system that tries to make a decision if the output of the machine translation is good enough or do we need a human, right? And that, it, it really enables us to scale because the better the AI, the, the smaller the percentage of things that need human intervention, which means you can better use translators, which, you know, as the scale of the volume that we need to translate, uh, it, it, there is an objective increase in amount of words for humans, but but a reduction in the percentage of the text that they need to handle, right? And then you have things like, from language operations perspective is, well, you know, if, if you have humans creating pipelines of translation where they're saying, well, I need to translate marketing content and I'm going to get the content in Marketo and I'm going to deliver it somewhere else and create a pipeline in the middle. Once you have enough of those, you can start really running your algorithms on top of that to optimize and to have, you know, to do a lot of the rote tasks to be already automated so that, humans mm. continue to evolve towards being maestros of symphonies rather than uh, you know, individual musicians, where different AI components are providing a lot of the help uh, to be able to really boost uh, and augment your productivity and capabilities. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on AI and, and translation. It's been great to hear from you. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's great to be here and good luck with everything. Yeah. And if awesome, if you've enjoyed this video, please do share on social media and subscribe to our channel as well. Uh, this has been William Smith for CX Today. Thanks again to Vasco for his insight and uh, thank you for watching. Bye.